everyone, and welcome back to the show. In today's episode, we're talking with Nicole Van Giesen, who will tell us what it's like to go on after only one rehearsal. We'll also discuss what it's like to be a parent on Broadway. But before we do, if you haven't listened to the introductory episode, please take a moment to do that now. All right, places for top of show. Nicole Van Giesen is currently in the Tony Award-winning production of Dear Evan Hansen, covering the roles of both Heidi and Cynthia. She's been seen on stage as a standby for the adult Allison and for the role of Helen in the Tony-winning production of Fun Home the Musical as well. Before that, you might have seen her as Frenchie in the 1999 revival of Cabaret at Studio 54. On the road, she played Lulu while also understudying the role of Sally Bowles. She's done the national tour of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels and also understudied the role of Kathy in the original production of the last five years. She's done about a million other things as well, and I'm so pleased to welcome the first mom, besides myself, to the show. So, Nicole, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Amanda. It's a pleasure to be here. Can you tell us where you're from and when you first were bitten by the showbiz bug? I am originally from a small town in Missouri called Marshfield. It is very close to the Ozarks. And um, while I didn't really know what Broadway was for the longest time, what it was exactly, I, I knew that it was the ultimate in theatrical dreams. And probably around 12 or 13, when I started doing middle school productions, did I realize that that was what I wanted to do with my life. Amazing. And so can you tell me about the first time that you understudied? My understanding is that it was for Tony Collette in The Wild Party. Is that true? Yes, that is true. I was in uh, the production of Cabaret. I was playing Frenchie and having the time of my life in that show. And I got an audition to stand by for Tony Collette in The Wild Party. Now, um, I kind of knew what understudies did. We had a couple swings in our show that understudied other roles, but I really truly had no idea what was involved in being an understudy. I just knew that my agent said, this is good for your resume, do it. So (laughs) um, (laughs) when when I got it, I ended up giving a very short notice to Cabaret because they were just two weeks shy of starting previews at the Wild Party. So I did double duty for those first couple of weeks and then ended up going on the first week of previews without getting a lot of rehearsal. It was that first week of previews and apparently Tony was not feeling well and they just simply had not had time to prepare me. Um, Not having ever understudied before, I basically just... I think maybe I had one music rehearsal and then I learned the rest of the show either by standing behind everyone on stage or standing at the back of the house with the other understudies and just running through things. I I was going on and I was going to have to know what I was doing. And um, it was the freakiest thing I've ever had happened to me in my life. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. Okay. So for for our listeners out there, like the preview period when you're in the show, that's usually the time when they're rehearsing the understudies, the preview, the show is going on, the principals are doing the show at night, the understudies might be rehearsing during the day and then watching the show at night. But you had had one music rehearsal and then you went on? Yes, I did go on and we had just um, put in a new song that day too. So um, it was a duet between Kate and Queenie. And I remember, you know, the show went 
pretty well. I don't know how I pulled it off, but Nicole. I it, But there was a one moment in that duet where I looked at Tanya Pinkins and I was like, I don't know, no idea what that new line is. And she looked at me <laughs> and then she picked it up and then I was right back in with her. But that really was the only moment where I was like, uh, nope, don't got it. <laughs> I am speechless right now because to for it to be your first understudy job, I mean, it's that's crazy it, any way you look at it. But the fact that this was your first time understudying, what was your process like? Because literally, how did you do it that fast? How did you learn the show, learn the lines, learn the choreography on stage, backstage? How did you do it that fast? What was your method besides just watching as much as you could? When I look back on it, I, I really don't understand because, you know, the longer we're in this business, the more fear we develop because we are more open to um, periods of rejection or or not being able to live up to our standards. And when you're that young, you don't you haven't learned all of that yet, that yes. you're supposed to judge yourself more harshly or that um, you're supposed to dissect what you're doing and, and just be afraid that you can't succeed. Um, I think what makes me good at this type of job is I, I learn things very quickly. When I watch something, when I sing a song, I really will mostly have it on the second take. My, my parents were singers. I come from a musical family, so I kind of got those genes and I worked my way through college as a jingle singer. And so you have to learn very, very quickly in those situations too. So that kind of trained me for that situation. I, I truly don't know though. I remember after the performance, <laughs> the rest of the company looked at me and they were like, how the hell did you do that? And I was like, oh, did I have an option not to? <laughs> wow. Wow. So I didn't know any better. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. So let me ask you this. From the time that you did that to the time that you were understudying the role of Kathy in the original production of the last five years, mm -hmm. did you find that you had a kind of process and did it evolve from, say, the first time you did it to later on when you were doing it again? I don't know. That's a good question. No, I think I'm just a, I think I'm just a really good observer. That's crazy. Are you at home in your apartment ever, like walking around, doing the lines, doing the blocking? Or do you find that you get enough of rehearsal when you're up on your feet in the actual rehearsal room to do it? Or do you take some of it home with you? I don't, you know, at this point, I don't take stuff home with me anymore. I don't have time as a parent. You're just like, well, that's just going to have to happen at the theater. And that's the way it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, I think I don't think I need more than a week. You know, I had I've had some other experiences where I started focusing on another character first and then ended up having to go on for the one I wasn't focusing on. And that mm -hmm. is a real true test of what can I do here? What am what am I capable of? And how fast can I take in this material? And, and how much do I trust myself to be able to do it? Tell me about that time when you when you had to go on for another character. Was this for Dear Evan Hansen or a different show? It was for Fun Home and we were still in rehearsals and it was going to be the very, very first run through. It was my ninth day of rehearsal. The onstage cast had come in a couple weeks prior to the understudies. And so we came in and I was like, you know what? I'm going to focus on Big Al first. This is the most dense as far as material goes. And I'm really, I'm just going to focus on this one first. The very first run through the day before, Judy Kuhn had had a personal matter that wasn't going to allow her to be there for the run through the next day. And they were like, okay, we need you to do um, Helen for the run through. Oh, and it wow. was really, yeah, it was just for the creative 
staff, you know, the, for the designers and everything to be able to see. But I, boy, I had to switch gears really quickly. And I was literally with my understudy pals because I under, I was the only understudy for both of those roles. Um, they were helping me like cram that material in right up until the moment that we were doing that run. And again, I don't, I don't know how, you know, I think maybe I kind of black out in those moments. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I did it. Your body. <laughs> I did it. Exactly. You um, did it. Yeah, I did it. And so I don't know if I learned my lesson or not, but I was just sort of like, hmm, note to self, work on both at the same time. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because often you have to prioritize, right? Like it, suddenly you're understudying five roles, six roles. I remember at Oof. Lincoln Center, they had asked me to do nine. And I just said to myself, okay, where would I possibly start? You have to start somewhere. You can't do it all at once. And mm -hmm. the pressure of that is so wild because as you're saying, okay, you might focus on the first three or, or for, you know, couple. And then suddenly, what about number six, number seven? And that's what you're needed for. And you have to switch gears so fast. I mean, I just take my hat off to you because that's incredible how quickly that you can pick up the material and turn it around. And I'm always saying like the understudies are so, so talented. And it's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast, just to kind of blow people's minds in terms of what you guys are doing, the workload, and how you're able to do it to kind of keep Broadway running, right? Especially in this time during COVID. Totally. And, and you know, the thing about understudies is, except for that board when you walk in and the little slip in the in the program you or the playbill, you should never know that the understudy is even on. There should be no hiccups. That's our job is to tell the story as it would be told any other performance. So, yeah, not only do you have to be on top of your game, but it has to be seamless because it's not the audience's problem <laughs> that the original person isn't in. It's not something that they need to even be aware of. The story gets told regardless. So we have to be prepared at any moment we step in and we, we deliver. And yeah, you have to be ready to do that at any time. Have you ever been in a situation where perhaps things around you were not as prepared as you were. And by that, I mean, you know, sometimes the crew, they all have to shuffle about and sort of flip things on their head when an understudy goes in too. And there's a process by which, you know, you may not get that rehearsal time, but the crew may not get that rehearsal time for, say, quick changes with you or something like that. Do you have an experience like that where you thought, gosh, somehow we could integrate this better for everyone because we haven't really gotten a chance to to practice or have things always kind of run smoothly gosh i don't know that's a really good question i i don't recall any times where it's affected the crew to that degree um personally there's only been a couple times for me where i've ever like gone in in the middle of a show um i would say that's the biggest thing um, I did for Dear Evan Hansen, I did go on in the middle of the second act for Cynthia at one point and my, you know, no costumes were ready, no microphone. I had seven minutes to, I had no makeup on, my hair was not done. It was literally like um, everybody was panicking. And so yes. those, the poor wardrobe um, staff, the stage manager had even like 
in his panic told me to get ready for the wrong role even <gasps> though i knew what he meant you know he was like i need you to go get ready for heidi right now i was like you mean cynthia he was like yes cynthia yes cynthia <laughs> oh my god can you tell us what happened i knew that she wasn't feeling well before the show had started um she really genuinely felt like she could do it you know and that's i was here for that i was like okay so you've got this you know what you're doing um and at some point during the second act, she realized that she could not finish the show. And so I literally, I was in a dressing room with all of my other fellow understudies at that time, and I kicked everyone out. And I was like, get out now! <laughs> so I think I managed to get on some lipstick, maybe some mascara. We threw a, a microphone on. I got, I don't even know if it was the appropriate costume for that scene, but it was a costume for the character. And then we didn't, they didn't even have to stop the show. I made it to my place right before the entrance. As I was entering, the stage manager made that announcement. For the rest of this evening's performance, the role of Cynthia will be played by Nicole Van Giesen. And then I said my first line. Oh my gosh, Nicole. <laughs> Nicole! I never, ever need to experience something like that again <laughs> in my life. That was enough for me to go, I don't know if I can do this job anymore. <laughs> I think I'm too old for this. That was like, give me a heart attack. I don't, why am I, why am I doing this? <laughs> yeah, it is, it is crazy. And I love that you mentioned that because I want to speak to that too. As someone who's been in the business, you know, for a, for a number of years, yes. <laughs> how many, um, <laughs> you know, there's something different about taking on that role of an understudy when you're first starting out and, you know, you're younger in the business and you're really hungry and doing an understudy role maybe decades later. Can you talk about that shift? Yeah, I think, you know, you have to have nerves of steel in order to be able to do this kind of job. And the longer I get into my career and the more times that my body has to endure that fight or flight situation, the harder it is genuinely to recover from. Physically and emotionally, it takes a toll. And there are definitely times when I'm like, gosh, how long do I want to keep putting myself through this kind of emotional roller coaster? You know, it's, yeah. it's not an easy job. And especially when you have other responsibilities in your life, when you do become older and you have a family and there are other aspects of your life that need your, your full attention, um, and you don't have time for that recovery, it gets it gets harder and harder to accept those jobs knowing that that's what you're up against, that that is the kind of thing you are going to have to be prepared for. So it's it's hard because there's this balance of, but this is what you're being offered and this is how you're going to put food on the table. This is how you're going to pay the bills. This is how you're going to support your family. And you have to say yes, because it's it's your bread and butter. It's your livelihood, right? And so mm -hmm. if those are the jobs that are available to you, and if, if I guess I'm good at it, I must be good at it. This is what I do. But, you know, to balance that with, oh, gosh, Am I ready to take on this kind of physical toll again of the physical experiences that this job requires of me? It's it gets harder and harder, you know, to make those decisions as as I age in this business. You For know, sure. I'm, yeah, I mean, I feel lucky enough to have had those opportunities. I know that's not a given. I'm very, very grateful for them. So that's not to say that I'm not grateful. But yeah, it's it's definitely a commitment that um, I have to mentally prepare myself for every time. 
it's really challenging. And I mean, it's challenging in the best of times when you have nothing else going on, right? Like right. when this is your full-time job and you're showing up to rehearsal and then you have your dinner break for like one hour and then you go back to the theater so you can watch the show and get out at 10 o'clock at night or or sometimes even later. And then you take the subway home, right? Or you take the train yep. back to New Jersey and you're getting home at midnight and you're supposed to wake up and make it to your 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. rehearsal the next day every day in the best of times that's such a challenging schedule but then of course as you get older and especially if you start a family wow your time is so 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 limited and you don't have that mental capacity to say oh i'm going to go home and i'm going to take this song with me and i'll work on it at home at some point because you just don't have that kind of time so no. i know for me yeah accepting those jobs you have to really stop and think and take stock of how many people you're covering? Can I do this job? And then, like you're saying, the financial aspect of it. Can I afford not to take this job? <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah, it's exactly. Especially, you know, it's like it's not as simple as, you know, people say, what is your wind down routine when you come home? And like my wind down routine <laughs> right. is get to bed immediately because I get up in five hours to, you know, get my kids out the door to school. So it's like, that's the reality of it. It's not for the faint of heart. It's not something that you walk into and go, this is going to be a piece of cake. You know, I, I don't have to perform that much. I just have to be ready to go. Yeah, well, that's that's the easy part. Honestly, <laughs> it's mm -hmm. the it's the schedule around it. It's it's the time um, aspect of it. And is my family going to thrive? You know, in what ways will they thrive and in what ways will I have to then make up for those those spaces where I'm not present? You know, it's it's not it's not an easy life. Um, and, and having said that, I can't imagine doing anything else. Yeah. It's what I love. And it's that constant push-pull, right? Like, yep. the thing that Absolutely. I love, but it's the hardest thing. You know, it's like kids. They're the things totally. that I love, and it's the hardest thing <laughs> totally. I'm ever going to do. So it's yeah. that mix in finding that balance that's so hard. And you and I both know that there are some parents on Broadway, for sure, but there aren't a lot. And there is a reason for that. It's yeah. really, really difficult. It is really difficult. It is, um, yeah, it is a challenging life to lead. And I understand it now. I think now I understand better why the attitudes around families exist, because there aren't that many of us that, you know, we don't get as many people who understand what we need in those situations and make allowances for that, because it is a very, very hard thing to accomplish. And at the same time, we're here, we're in the business, we are doing it. And I feel like the business is slowly coming around to what it's like to be a parent, to be a family person in this business and the, and the, the accommodations we might need, but um, it's still, it's, it's lacking a lot, yes. I think. Um, yeah, there definitely needs to be more policies in place that make this life a little bit easier for, you know, a little easier for us to be able to, to do and to accomplish. 100%. And I think, you know, you said it is moving slowly. At least there's some conversations happening now within the union and just kind of around the table and certainly 
with other sort of parents in the business. But because we are such a small, 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 small sliver of that big, big pie, it is hard to get the kind of advocacy that we need. But hopefully, if we keep asking and pushing for it, we will get some things at the bargaining table. Now, I want to go back to Dear Evan Hansen for a second. Can you tell me about your audition for Dear Evan Hansen, just like how it was, and if you are auditioning for both of those roles, Heidi and Cynthia, as an understudy, and how kind of an understudy audition might be different from a regular audition for those people out there who don't know? Sure, absolutely. Well, I mean, when you're when you're auditioning to understudy um, multiple roles, that means more material to prepare, right? So um, I was still in Fun Home at the time. We had not, we knew we were closing, but we, it had not closed yet. So it was in that period of Dear Evan Hansen between their off-Broadway run at Second Stage and, you know, preparing for the, the Broadway production. My first audition was a pre-screen for the casting director. So, you know, you're in there with just the casting director they need to make sure that you're appropriate enough for the the roles that you're auditioning for before they put you in front of creatives. Then I went directly to being in the audition uh, at, I think it was at New 42, maybe it was at Pearl, in front of the entire creative team. And I'm not kidding, there probably were 20 people in that mm. room. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we were we were also on video for the members that couldn't be there. It's it's not quick, that's for sure, because when you're doing multiple roles, that means you have to do scenes for both of those characters. So we probably did six scenes and then um, three songs. Um, one of them is a duet that both characters sing so that you're able to kind of accomplish that and let them see what you have in that number. But then the other two belonged to Heidi. Um, and throughout that, I was getting some direction from our director, Michael Greif, and then doing it again. So within days later, I had a final callback and I came back in and um, I did it all again. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So it yeah. was just a repeat of everything we had done before. I can't remember. I couldn't tell you if it was longer or shorter. And then it didn't work out for me in that moment to be able to go in at the at the beginning of the Broadway run. There was just other stuff that was happening at the same time. And um, the universe just kind of pulled me in a different place at that time. And so when the opportunity for me to join the show came around again, about 10 months into their run, Thankfully, they just asked me and I was like, yes, now is the time. I am ready now to come in. And um, I didn't have to re-audition. Thank the Lord that my first one (laughs) was enough. And I just went right directly into rehearsals. So um, what did you think of the script? Did you love it? Did you know it was going to be just like this huge international sensation already? I did. I did. When I saw it off Broadway, I left that theater going okay, that's going to win the Tony. Um, Ben Platt's going to win and Rachel Bay Jones is going to win. I knew that. I knew it walking out of there. And um, it just, it appeals because the storyline appeals to multiple generations, to both parents, grandparents, kids. It it appeals to a wide, such a wide audience. And because the topics um, are so current and relevant, and um, just honest about what kids are going through now and then the parents of those kids in turn have to go through. I knew, I knew it was gonna be successful. And then um, Stephen Levinson is just a genius. The, the script is 
is so good. And then, and then, you know, Justin Paul and Benj Pasek are, are, are also geniuses and the, the music is, it's, it's ear candy. I mean, you can't get it out of your head. I mean, it's just, it's brilliant. And then, then, you know, you have Stacey Mendich producing and, and Michael Greif directing, and it's like, it's just, there was no way, there was no way <laughs> in my mind it was ever not going to be successful. So um, I'm very, very grateful to be a part of it. And I think my lucky stars every day. Did the movie have any impact on the show itself or on you personally, just to take it to that level of a huge international audience of people that were not able to get to the Broadway show? I'm so curious about that because not many Broadway shows get to be turned into a movie. So I'm just kind of wondering from your point of view, the impact that that might have had on you guys. You know, I think I think what it really did is it just brought it to people who hadn't heard of it before, who weren't familiar with the story in the hopes that they would come to see it live, to come see the, the, the Broadway production or a tour or in the, you know, in West End. I think we were lucky in that regard where it just really brought the material home to people and allowed more people to connect with it and go, I, now I really, really want to see it live. We just reopened in December, so it's kind of hard to know and because we don't get to talk to the audience members anymore after the show. There's no stage door anymore. It stinks. So I don't know. You know, I don't know. Um, how much people, how much the movie brought in audiences for us and how that curiosity from the piece and the relevance of it made people more aware. Because, you know, there was also a book that we also didn't really have anything to do with as well. Right. So right. Right. Um, I think what's just so wonderful about the story is the fact that it can be made into a movie. It can be made into a book and have those lives on their own that will help people in some way. You know, when you have those stories about connection, they can be life changing for people. And the more ways that we can get that out there to help people, the better, the better off we are as, you know, as a society, as humanity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nicole, you have been such a delight. What What's next for you? What do you see for yourself now in this, I'm going to say, post-COVID era? Knock on wood. <laughs> all of that. But, but, but what's next for you as, as a mom and as a performer in this show? You know, I'm I'm enjoying my time. I've never been with a show as long as I've been with Dear Evan Hansen. That is really unique for me. Um, I'm enjoying that. I'm enjoying the stability that gives me. I'm enjoying the the consistency that it allows me to have for my family. As long as they will have me, I am happy to be there. It's it's a good job and I know it and I'm I have no intention of letting that go before I have to. Yes. <laughs> 100%. 100%. So, um, you know, and and then personally I'm just just keeping my kids alive. That is my that is my goal <laughs> every day just to keep them alive and get them where they need to be and one literally one day at a time. So <laughs> Well, you're doing an awesome job. I want to just give our listeners a little bit of an insight into some of the behind the scenes content that you're going to provide. If they go to our website, www.waitinginthewingsbroadway.com and become a patron and subscribe, then they unlock some goodies that our guests provide. And can you just tell us what might be in store for them should they become a patron? 
you know, I'm going to do a little behind the scenes footage at work at Dear Evan Handsome. I'm going to film me backstage. Maybe I'll show some of the scenery. Maybe I'll go on stage, um, introduce you to a couple people while I'm back there. And then my most prized possession from all of the shows I've done is I, I was lucky enough to work with the incomparable Eartha Kitt. And I mean it, working with her was like working with royalty. Before you entered her dressing room, you had to be announced. And it was like, I needed to come in and bow immediately <laughs> wow. to the queen. I mean, and um, she gave everyone at our opening, she gave us our martini glasses that she had signed. And that I will keep as long as I possibly can. I'm going to show a picture of that, of her signature. I, I can't promise it looks clean, but I am terrified to wash it because I never want that <laughs> signature to go away. I, I, it's, it's something I will cherish forever. So that's amazing. what I plan on giving the people. <laughs> oh my gosh. Amazing. Nicole, you have been so wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your stories with us and for coming on the pod today. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure and so much fun. Thank you, Amanda. Hey guys, Amanda here. If you enjoyed this episode, please visit the website www.waitinginthewingsbroadway.com and unlock some of that awesome behind the scenes content. Thanks.